Okay, this is your two minute warning to finish getting your starches and sugars and caffeine down the gullet. Give you a two minute warning to finish doing that. We got a couple of things going on today. Um, we've got some um, new members that we're kind of welcoming in today, uh, taking them on a tour of the church, that sort of thing. Altar Guild is currently having a meeting in the sanctuary. If you forgot about that, better get going. Um, let's see, what else? I took a few days off this week, uh, went to go take a motorcycle trip with my uncle, 78 years old. He's been riding motorcycles since he was way before I was born and had always invited me and I was never able to go. And if you remember, my uh, grandma passed away back in uh, January, went to heaven, and I saw Uncle Lloyd again and he said, hey, this is my last year of taking a motorcycle trip. Are you coming or not? What do you say to that, right? Uh, and so, so I took off this week and rode out to Central City, Iowa. Eastern Iowa is amazing. Never been there before, right? I mean, I'm from Kansas, so I know what flatland is like. And, and that's kind of what I always thought of Iowa as well. But boy, Eastern Iowa is just beautiful. So we were in Central City, Iowa. Anyway, rode there Monday. I never got to see my uncle. Ask me why. So he drove down from New Ulm, Minnesota. They got to Waverly, Iowa. There was some construction on the roads there and, and uh, something had drug in the asphalt and created a large pothole furrow and he didn't see it. And uh, thankfully he wasn't going very fast, but his, uh, his old 1981 chromed out Honda Goldwing, love of his life, went down with him on it. Seven fractured ribs, punctured lung, crushed vertebrae. They ended up having to take him by hospital up to Rochester, Minnesota, where they had surgery on Wednesday. So I never got to ride with my uncle. Uh, thanks be to God, uh, wasn't anything worse than that. He'll recover from all those injuries. I doubt he will be on a bike again. So, but uh, his son and uh, son-in-law, my cousins, came down and uh, we, uh, we, st we still rode because that's what he would have wanted. He couldn't do anything, he was laying in the hospital bed. He never lost consciousness or anything like that, but that's a way to go out, right? Now, probably the next week or so, you're gonna be telling me motorcycle stories and I need to sell mine. Um, so just don't, please don't talk to my wife on my behalf. Uh, and anyway, we're all good. So that was my adventurous week, how's that? Uh, so, okay, um, boy, let's see. Before I introduce Mr. Andy Bierman, I kind of already did, he is with the LCMS Foundation. If you paid attention to uh, newsletters or bulletins, you've read some information on him already. Um, he's, he's kind of a son of the congregation. You're kind of married into the congregation. I mean, you're not, you're not members here, uh, but uh, Mr. Gene Conradi, where are you, Mr. Conradi? There you are. Uh, are you technically the chair of our stewardship board now? All right, why don't you stand up and wave. Do you have anybody on the stewardship board you'd like to introduce? Okay, where's Joel, there he is, okay. So we're kind of revamping a few of our boards here. Uh, stewardship board, uh, if you're curious what they, what they do, most people would say, yeah, they're just, they've always got their hands out trying to grab your wallet or your checkbook. And that's really not what stewardship is about at all. Stewardship, you want, you want me to do it or you want to? Okay, uh, stewardship is about managing God's resources. He's given you stuff. He's given you your body. You're curious about what that is? Look at Luther's small catechism, okay? House, home, food, clothing, land, animals, all that I have, all these things he's given you, along with faith, and don't neglect your faith. Be a good steward of that which God has given you. Come to church, hear his word, receive his gifts. Um, but uh, obviously, some of that is using those gifts that God has given uh, for his kingdom and for the people that he's put in your life. And so stewardship is, is much more than about money, okay? And so when we want to talk about money, we bring outside people in like Mr. Andy Bierman. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> he's laughing though, I like that, from the LCMS Foundation. And the LCMS Foundation, I'm going to let him explain what that is. It's a very... Um, I'm going to say this, it's a very understated aspect of our Missouri Synod. 
They do a lot of really good work behind the scenes. I've seen it firsthand. I uh, was involved uh, with the LCMS Foundation at my last parish, and it was a blessing for our members. It was uh, a blessing for our district and our synod, and lots of great work. Um, and so unless I'm missing anything else, Pastor Grady, we're going to uh, turn it over there here. We have some new members here. Oh, yeah, Ralph and Elizabeth. You want to stand real quick? Okay. Who, cl who claims you? Anybody claim you in this room? Okay. <laughs> Your mom and dad. Welcome all the way from, let's see if I get this right, Massachusetts? All right. And name of the church you came from in Massachusetts? Our Savior Lutheran Church in Westminster, Massachusetts. So uh, you've uh, put down roots here in Zionsville, a uh, house not too far away, and uh, good, to, good to have you here with us as well. So welcome. Welcome. We give him a round of applause. Yep. Yes. We had you in front of the congregation, was it three weeks ago maybe? Is that about right? Okay. Uh, so uh, welcome as well uh, to our parish and our congregation. Um, hope, you, uh, hope you like it here so far. Uh, we're just kind of one big family. We're not afraid to have a little fun and uh, tell a few jokes. Or maybe that's just the new pastor in town, I don't know. But uh, God's word is our great heritage, and we'll continue to receive his gifts together uh, until he returns. Okay, anything else that I'm missing? Mr. Head Elder, am I good to go? Okay, all right. Well, let's uh, welcome uh, Mr. Andy Bierman from the LCMS Foundation. Uh, pleasure to have you here today, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Oh, I was supposed to do something else. You asked me to do. If you if you would, sure. All right. And uh, Phil will get us into. So I'm not in he the actually, echo chamber here. He reminded me earlier. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Everlasting God, you have ordained and constituted the service of angels and men in a wonderful order. Mercifully grant that as your holy angels always serve and worship you in heaven, so by your appointment they may also help and defend us here on earth. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Mr. Andy Bierman. Thanks very much. Well, thank you, Pastor. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, as Pastor alluded to, Gene is my father-in-law, so I am not unfamiliar with Advent, um, but I am a, the new gift planning counselor. I say relatively new. It's been almost a year now, but uh, for the LCMS Foundation, and you never know which Sunday you're going to be invited to visit. Uh, this Sunday, New Member Sunday, so it's sort of interesting because you sort of, it reminds me of a joke I was told by a pastor once. He said, a man dies and he goes to heaven and, and St. Peter is there and he says, well, you either get to go to heaven or you get to go to hell. You actually get to choose. He says, and this is, let's take you around heaven, give you a little tour. And he shows him and it's, you know, it's beautiful and the clouds are there. And the, the, of course, we've heard about in the sermon today, if you're at the 815 service, that's not the case, just the uh, popular version of it. Uh, but the angels are there, and beautiful music, and harps, and he says, well, this is really nice. This is really nice. And then he goes down to hell, and the devil takes him around, and he says, well, this is our new 18-hole championship golf course. We've got one on this side of the uh, beach. We've got another on this side of the beach. You can play one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Of course, you want to visit the resort. We've got the casino. We've got the buffet. We've got it all. Uh, it's a really great place. And he says, okay. And he says, you know what? I, th I think I'm going to take hell. So he goes back up, and he gets sent down. And when he arrives, it's nothing but flames and fire, eternal hellfire, fire and brimstone, gnashing of teeth and demons. And he says, what happened? He goes, oh, oh, yesterday you were a prospect, today you're a member. <clears throat> so my goal today is to disabuse everyone of that kind of fear or that notion that the LCMS Foundation is here to, uh, to get, get into your pocketbook. That is not our goal. Um, but just out of curiosity, who has heard of the LCMS Foundation by a show of hands? Okay, that's great. Uh, if, you, if you don't have your hand up, it's showing your marketing team you're not reading your email. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, no, the LCMS Foundation, as uh, Pastor McKay said, is one of the best kept secrets in Synod. I do think that's true. Um, we are actually, just to get a few things out of the way right away, we are a ministry arm of the Synod, okay? So we were founded by a resolution of the Synod in 1958. Uh, and so that puts us in our 61st year now, uh, or entering our 61st year. 
And that's uh, a really a tremendous blessing that our denomination has that a lot of others don't. Uh, by being around 60 years, it gives us a tremendous uh, wealth of experience, but also of resources that allow me to, number two there, be of no cost to congregations or members. So officially, I'm supported by the Indiana District, but given our proximity here and, and my uh, family connections working here with you today, I work really with anyone regionally in the Indiana and Northern Kentucky part of our country. There are 19 of me around the country that do what I do. Um, but it's, again, no cost to congregations or members. We don't have a product to sell. We're not here to get you to buy anything or do anything like that. I'm not raising money as it even happens. I'm, I'm really, we are a pass-through foundation, and our goal is to help our members to leave gifts to ministry, to local congregations, even to other charities. Um, but we want to help you to uh, leave the best gift possible to family and to ministry. Uh, and as Pastor said, to be good stewards of those blessings which God has given to us, or entrusted to us, perhaps, even a better way to say it. Uh, so we're not raising money for ourselves. So what do we do? Well, we have sort of four major tasks. Uh, the first two are what I'm mostly involved in. Uh, the first is gift planning. So has anyone heard the term plan giving, legacy giving, estate giving? There's all kinds of versions of it. Um, I kind of like the term gift planning. But you're basically saying, what is, what is it that I want to leave behind? Uh, estate planning, learning to give from your estate, or what's going to happen when the Lord calls me home? How am I going to bless ministry and family in the, in the best way? And by best, we mean uh, the biggest gift you can give, you know, or what you're comfortable giving, and also the, the most tax-advantaged way to give. So what's sort of the smartest way, the most prudent way to be a good steward of those resources? Uh, the second is investment services. So uh, I did... Uh, if, you, if you're leaving a big gift to your congregation, it helps to know that it's got a place to go and it's got a place to, to serve ministry and, and for the betterment of uh, sharing the gospel and that it isn't going to cause division or problems in the church. And so we help a lot of congregations to develop endowment funds and also to, if they have an existing endowment fund, to make sure that it's healthy and doing what it's meant to do for ministry. And, and I think it's very important that we think of endowments always as a way of distributing wealth for the sharing of the gospel and in the now. We're not here to hoard that money or to keep it in perpetuity for some unknown date later in the future. It's how are we going to put this money to work, but do so in a way that it doesn't just hit your general operating budget and cause all kinds of problems. So um, helping churches to develop endowments. If you do not have an endowment fund, that's something we certainly encourage um, because gift planning is, is kind of goes in tandem with that. I mean, if you can if you're going to leave a large gift to ministry, you want to make sure that it's going to be well, well managed and well taken care of. Okay. Uh, that comes out of then the, the other two, which are less on my end, and that's trust administration. We do have a team back in St. Louis, so we are headquartered actually with the Synod. So we're a separate 501c3 charity, but we are in the same building as the Synod headquarters, the International Center, where we have a team of uh, attorneys and trust administrators who are actually managing these endowment funds managing uh, people's trusts or whatever money has been entrusted to us uh, for service to the Synod. And then finally, marketing and education, and that's a little bit of what you're seeing today, but we also develop marketing materials on behalf of congregations to help them promote endowments uh, as well as to promote gift planning services. So a little bit about who we are, but I'm going to focus today on the gift planning portion of things. So why am I here during your Sunday school hour? <laughs> what does estate planning have to do with good stewardship, and I like to add in there, with worship. Um, so as Pastor alluded to, stewardship is a whole person concept. It's not just about the money you've been given. Uh, it's not just about, you probably heard the phrase time, talent, and treasures. Um, it's almost become a cliche that it's sort of all three of these things make up good stewardship. You want to be a good steward of your time, your talent, and your treasures. Uh, but what I like to say is that every one of those talents that you've been given, all those gifts you've been given, long for some kind of expression in the church. So if I spent years studying the organ, I'll just pick on Phil here, if I, or, or maybe other Phil will do, if I spent years studying the lute or the sackbut and nobody gave me a medieval ensemble in order to go and, and express that music, it would go unexpressed. Does that make sense? The gift would go unexpressed. And so I like to look at what we're doing in the foundation is in a very similar way teaching people to, to give from assets, to take those financial resources they have and find expression for them. So it's in the same, it's, we want to think of it in the exact same terms of stewardship. And then I say, what does it have to do with worship? Well, 
Uh, we're very fond and, and, and rightly so proud of our uh, liturgical heritage and the great Lutheran liturgy. Does anyone know where the term liturgy comes from? I, good, there you go. <laughs> well, I'm glad you raised your hand, Pastor. <laughs> but, uh, from the, but in the Greek, it meant public offering. So in, in, uh, in Greece, the wealthy citizens of the state would uh, perform a public offering, a liturgy. So you could do a liturgy for a new trireme, or you could do a liturgy for a new bridge in town, or a new roundabout. Um, that joke goes over better in Carmel. <laughs> but uh, you, the liturgy, in other words, it's an expression. It was always tied to an expression not only of thanks and praise and public offering to God for the gifts he's given us, but there is that financial component to it. So I don't want to shy away from that. Uh, and of course, as pastor says, I get to, now I get to leave, and then he can go back to whatever he was talking about before. So. Um, but they, they are in tandem. And so as we see here in Ephesians, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in all you do, uh, truly the whole person. With that in mind, you might have heard, you know, we talk about tithing a lot in the church, and of course there's nothing wrong with tithing, don't want to take that away at all. Um, but the average person, <clears throat> excuse me, has about uh, 10% of their wealth tied up in income. Okay, that's about 90% is in assets, 10% in income. So 10% is that check you're writing and putting in the offering plate, or the unruly child in the front row throwing a handful of sweaty change into the offering plate, gifts from income. Uh, we want to talk about gifts from assets. About 90% of the average person's wealth, doesn't matter if you're Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett, it's about 90-10. And so how do you sort of unlock those assets to give them expression? If you're tithing that 10% that is your income, how much are you actually giving to the Lord? 10% of 10% of, of your total. 1% of, of the wealth you've been given. Um, that's not meant to be any, in any way a, uh, a sh to shame you. It's simply to say, let's get away from the thought of, well, how am I tithing? And think about, how do I give 100% in everything I do in word and deed to the Lord? Uh, and so some ways of doing that, and by the way, these are a pyramid, but it's not in order of value, it's in order of frequency. Um, so on a weekly basis, attend worship, share their faith with others, or daily. Uh, volunteer with time and talents, regular annual giving, these things are probably familiar to you, but today I want to talk about special gifts over and above. So if you had a campaign or a debt reduction campaign, something like that, how do you make that special maybe once or twice in a lifetime gift? And then finally, gift planning. Okay, so how do you leave that final gift to ministry uh, through your will, through your estate? You only get one chance at it. So it's sort of making sure that that is all in order and there's a great peace and comfort in doing so. Um, you only get one shot. I don't know about Lazarus. I don't know how his whole probate worked. I mean, I guess you kind of, if you die and you come back, that doesn't, uh, if you get, he gets two shots at it, I guess. So why am I talking about it now? Well, this is an interesting fact. Uh, many of you may know this already, but we are in the greatest wealth transfer in the history of the world. Uh, in the next 25 years, or we're kind of right in the middle of it now, uh, estimates between 52 and $80 trillion is going to change hands from one generation to the next. Okay, 80 trillion, that's not maybe if we do it right, that's going to happen. It's a matter of how are we going to uh, express, our, express our Christian faith and stewardship goals through that process uh, as best we can. And 80 trillion is a difficult number to get your mind around. So I did a little math. There's about 70,000 Lutherans in Indiana. We have some work to do in the mission field, but there's 70. Uh, of that, if about 20% of those are in this category of uh, age group, 14,000, anyone want to guess what, just in Indiana, the 14,000 Lutheran, what part of that 80 trillion would be ours? And when I say ours, I just mean going to transfer from Missouri Synod Lutherans to the next generation. It's about $800 million. And so when I think about that, that, that means right now, I'm not you know, exaggerating, there's about $800 million sitting in Indiana for ministry, and it's, it's the joy of this job is figuring out how to unlock that uh, and put it to use for the gospel. All right. So what is it that we actually, so that's sort of who we are and why we're here, but what do we actually do? Well, we provide assistance to members in planning estate gifts and gifts from assets during life. So what we mean is ways of giving to ministry that are going to happen when you, or really when the final spouse, if you're, if you're married, uh, when the surviving spouse passes away. 
Um, we want to help you leave the best gift to ministry and to family, and I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, when we talk about whole person stewardship, it's everything God has put in your life, not just the church. He's put other things in your life. He's put family, children. Uh, he's put other causes and charities you might be involved with, education, uh, institutions, and things like that. We want to help you to be able to support all of those things in the best way possible. It's not trying to take away from one to give to the other. Okay. Uh, again, no cost for the counselor's time. I'd like to emphasize that. That's not to say there's never a cost borne in the process of estate planning, but simply any time you spend with me, I'm not, it's, you're not getting a bill. <laughs> you know, there's no, I'm not charging you by the hour. And it gives us what I like to call the widow's mite prerogative, which is a great thing. Uh, I, whether you're a millionaire or you think you have nothing at all, I can spend just as much time with you going through this process. It does not, there is no metric or goal or, or dollar amount I'm trying to hit or something like that. Uh, we truly are, see ourselves as a ministry arm of the Synod. Okay. And then finally, back home in St. Louis, the, and not, not my home, mind you, but the, uh, the home office, uh, gift instruments and trust administration happen kind of behind the scenes. So whether you think I'm uh, useful to work with or not, I can certainly provide you access to some, some great support instruments that can help you to create a trust or an endowment or whatever it might be to uh, help accomplish your stewardship goals. So the process that we use for this is something called the Lifetime Plan for Giving. Uh, it's sort of a comprehensive approach to uh, gift planning, which is unique. Uh, I, I did a version of this at Ivy Tech before I came to the LCMS Foundation for about 10 years, and it was, it's a great institution. I support it strongly, but it's not, uh, we, we didn't have the time or the resources to be able to dedicate to an individual that, uh, that the foundation, the LCMS Foundation provides. Um, the way that process works, a lot of you grabbed on the way in, some of you maybe not. It's okay either way. But something looks like this, the donor discovery packet. So if you open this up on the right side, you'll see a lifetime plan for giving survey. And this is basically the document that we use to help you if you want to go through the comprehensive lifetime plan for giving. Uh, what it's going to be is an assessment of the various ways that the Lord has blessed you. That is the people he has put in your life the property he's put into your life, in other words, your assets. And then finally, it'll look at the stewardship goals that he's placed on your heart. So what is the, looking at those three together, I'm then able to come to you with some, some uh, designs or diagrams of ways that you might be able to most effectively make a gift uh, through your estate, or perhaps a gift now and through your estate. I mean, it just depends on what your stewardship goals are. Okay. Uh, we do that through a four-step process. This isn't always four meetings, but it is always four steps. Uh, the first is a discovery meeting, and that's where we're going through that survey document. So what I'm going to ask you to do at the end of day is I've got a survey paper in the back. I'd love you to fill that out, regardless of whether you want to participate in this or not. It helps us to get good feedback. You can just leave your name off. But if you are interested in pursuing this, uh, it's a very, like I say, we're, not, we're a low-impact kind of organization in that sense. We're here to help, and, and there's no obligation but as you fill that out, if you do say, I'm interested in this process or I have further questions, the first thing we do is sit down for a discovery meeting uh, and talk through who are you, uh, what are your charitable goals, how has the Lord blessed you, what has he put in your life, what ministries are important to you, what do you care most about. I'd come back for a second meeting with some design options. We'll hear some ways of giving now and later. A third summary, that's where you've said, okay, I think this is what I want to go with. And then finally, implementation, and that's where... If we need to, uh, we, I will, I'm willing to go with you to uh, your attorney, or if you need help securing an attorney, I can do that as well, um, but to help you actually complete the process. In some cases, that's not necessary. If you're doing a certain kind of gift, you may not need to actually have an attorney, um, but I'm always willing to help you, though, through that complete estate planning process. I should say at this point, though, I don't want to be accused of practicing law without a license. I am not an attorney. Um, and uh, so what I'm doing is simply preparing you for those meetings. I'm no, no replacement, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But. So that's our, our process. Some other benefits, though, I'd just like to point out. Uh, Christian counsel in the estate planning process, uh, someone who I think understands LCMS ministries and what your stewardship goals might be, kind of helps if you're not sure where you want things to go to, to figure out the best way to do that so that it will benefit ministry. Um, and I can prepare you to meet with other advisors that you may have. 
Uh, second, provide encouragement through the process. Kind of seems like a throwaway line maybe, but I actually think it's the most valuable thing we do. Um, a lot of people have started the estate planning process. A lot fewer have finished the estate planning process, and it's because they need someone in there in a gentle and Christian way providing some, some nudge along the way. Uh, and then finally, the, to help you actually figure out what your gift plan is, give it expression, and give you the peace of mind of knowing you have the best gift to family and to ministry planned. And so I would promise you uh, at the outset, if you were going to embark upon this, that I will pray with you, I will listen to you, give you ideas, encourage you, keep everything confidential, and I think that is absolutely paramount for us. Uh, what's said in our discovery meetings and things like that, that is for us to talk through. Um, that's not going anywhere else. Um, and I will not charge you anything for my help. Uh, that said, I am just one of a team. Uh, we love, uh, I think, pretty much all over every piece of marketing material that's ever been produced by the LCMS Foundation. It's got to have the uh, verse from Proverbs, uh, plans fail for lack of wise counsel, but with many counselors there is success. Kind of taken out of context, but nonetheless, that is really what we are talking about here. Uh, I am your gift planning counselor. You can think of me as your charitable advisor in a way. Uh, but you also want, you know, your attorney, your financial tax or investment advisor, insurance agent, family members, strongly encourage them to be part of this process. Um, and this leads to what are the three big obstacles? Why is it that people haven't done this already? Well, the first, fear of death. I hear it a lot. If I finish this plan, I'm going to die. And I say, I have bad news for you. Good news and bad news, really. Uh, you're going to die either way. Um, but hey, you know, to, to, uh, to live is necessary, but to die is gain. We're, we're Missouri City Lutherans, let's get over that one. Uh, second is fear of the attorney or legal system. Uh, and uh, yeah, I understand that. Uh, attorneys are terrifying. Uh, I'm married to one. <laughs> and I want you all to know I make that joke every time, but only this time is she in the audience. <laughs> so I'm going to pay for that one later. Uh, no, obviously not the case, but the legal system can be a little bit intimidating. Uh, what are all the things I need to do? And it's really more a matter of organizing it for you than anything else that, that I think we can help you with. And finally, procrastination. Uh, things get in the way. Uh, it just doesn't seem as urgent. And then things happen. And I hate to use an example, Pastor McKay, of your, your uncle, but the, things happen. And then there's, it's suddenly thrown into sharp relief that, wow, I am going to, you know, it's, it's the peace of mind of knowing this is done uh, before something would happen or the Lord calls me home. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful benefit. Because everyone in this room, I can say, falls into one of two categories. You either have a will or you don't. 55% uh, of you statistically don't have a will. Uh, don't know if that's true in every room I'm in, but could be. Um, and, or you've got a will and it's become stale, and that's another common case that I find. Well, we wrote a will when we got married, and that was 40 years ago. Or some new life event has occurred that's making you reevaluate that. Uh, if you've never written a will, I just want to point out that doesn't mean there isn't one for you. Uh, the state has a will for you right now. Um, and it may not be in keeping with uh, what you would like to have happen uh, as a good Christian steward. So we can help you to find an attorney, get you ready to meet with them, and offer to go with you. Now, obviously, this is part of the gift planning process, thinking about leaving a gift to ministry. But these are just some other benefits I want to point out. If you go through this process, it's not only that, well, now I've got a gift in place. It's also all of these other, other things. Uh, on the other hand, you say, well, I've got a gift plan. I've got an estate. Is, should I, do I need you or not? I would argue, I would love to sit down with you. Uh, it's always worth reevaluating. Um, one of the stories that I love is a, another counselor met with a person. This member had been just swearing up and down, I have 20% of my will, 20% of my estate, rather, is going to, to the church, 20%. It's a million-dollar estate, it's going to be $200,000, it's going to be great. He said, well, okay, but can we revisit that? Maybe we could sit down. Well, he sat down with him finally and discovered that he didn't understand that anything that passes by contract or by a transfer on death, the beneficiary form for his IRA, his retirement plans, his insurance, all of these things were going to pass outside of his estate. And so when they actually did the math, he wasn't leaving 200000 He was leaving about $900 to the church. That's what was in his checking account. That's what was going to go. And that kind of shock, it's, just, it's worth you know, reevaluating and just being, being, having the peace of mind to know that it's all in place. So at the end of this process, and this is kind of a fun slide for me, 
Now, if you have some of these things, we won't redo them, but, uh, and sometimes they're not all necessary, but I can assure you we will have a, a will or revocable living trust, durable power of attorney for financial affairs and health care. We'll review your beneficiary designations. If you would like to create a statement of faith or a Christian preamble to your will, we can help you with that, providing examples, kind of a last message to family, uh, a gift plan to provide for your family, and a gift plan to provide for ministry. And the goal here, how do I ensure that the gifts I'm leaving are a benefit to my family and a blessing to them and not causing division? Okay. I would actually take this and update it too for church, churches and endowments more generally. How do I ensure that the gift I leave to my congregation blesses that congregation and not the opposite? Ensure that it brings that congregation closer together rather than causing division. And how can I provide for a congregation a specific ministry once I'm gone? All of those things would be true, and all those things are things that an endowment fund can help um, ensure. So with that in mind, that leaves us with, well, okay, can you help me develop a gift plan for my family ministry? So I know who you are, I know what you do, now how do we actually go about this? Well, the first part is sitting down and looking at what are your favorite ministries? Uh, obviously, your local congregation, and just I want to reemphasize here, if you, would love, if you would like to leave a gift to the LCMS Foundation... I'm not going to say no. Okay, that's, that's how we're funding our, you know, our snack table at the, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it does, it's a great benefit to us and a blessing to help us continue our ministry, but we are a pass-through organization first and foremost. We're not fundraisers, really. What we're doing is helping you to kind of organize how you want to make a gift to ministry that you already have in mind, and we can help you discern that. Uh, it could be local congregation, missions, Christian education, human care ministries. It could be at the district level, at the synodical level, at the local level. And I'd also like to point out 51% of any gift that we're going to distribute needs to go to an LCMS ministry. But 49%, we're happy to help guide any other place you want it to go. Uh, so it could be to another nonprofit that's a, a value to you. Maybe a, a, you want to give to IU, you want to give to Purdue. As a Lutheran, I'm not allowed to give you, allow you to give to Notre Dame. But uh, if you want to give to Notre Dame, I guess we'll let you give to Notre Dame. They don't need it, but come on. Anyway, but we can give 5149. In other words, it's really a great thing that I'm able to do, because certainly working for Ivy Tech or something, we weren't going to help you give to somebody else. Um, and, and we're here to give uh, 5149. And that tends to not be an issue for most, for most members. For us, it really comes down to a core belief. Uh, God has placed a gift plan in each believer's heart. He's given you these things just like he's given you time and talents to, to make use of them. He's given you financial resources to make use of them. We want to give. Our plan is a gift from God that longs, from expression, longs, from, longs for expression. And again, that's that idea that I know that my resources are there, or maybe I don't know that my resources are there. That's actually the most fun part of the job. Uh, early on, I sat down with a gentleman from northern Indiana. He's a bricklayer. Um, very, uh, just a laborer and always had been, and thought, well, maybe I can leave five or $10,000 to ministry. That would be a real treat. Sat down with him, looked at his assets, looked at what he really had when he threw in his house and his rental property and his hunting property and his speedboat and his truck and everything else and put it all together. Uh, and that gentleman we just finished uh, about a month ago is leaving $355,000 to his local congregation and to Laborers for Christ. That's a pretty neat thing to be able to do. And the bricklayer, he had tears in his eyes as I told him that, so I made the bricklayer cry. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> um, but it's that longing for experience. He just didn't know he could do it, so showing him how he can do it. And I will help you get that plan down on paper. Uh, and to, to that first point, you know, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's, it's the plan is there. Let's, let's help discern and express it. So what does that look like? Well, what I will do with you is uh, after we do the survey, we come up with a, a diagram or design that would basically show here's how your estate is going to flow to family, and here's how it's going to flow to ministry or other charities. Um, many ways to do that, and we offer a lot of different instruments for doing that. When I say offer instruments, though, I don't mean like it's a product that you're buying. It's more that it's a, a way of setting up the gift. Uh, so it could be a specific amount in your will, a percentage in your will. Probably most common for us would be an IRA beneficiary or some sort of change of beneficiary designation. 
uh, typically for any kind of tax deferred assets. So anything where you owe taxes on this now, it means that that is gonna be income in respect to the decedent. As they say, when, when you pass away, your heirs are gonna be responsible for that tax burden. And so it makes a great gift. Um, annuity beneficiary, uh, we do charitable gift annuities. Uh, life insurance beneficiary, uh, we also help set up donor advised funds, personal endowments. Uh, you know, I've, we've seen charitable trusts uh, taking rental property and putting it in a charitable trust. I know this is going 1,000 miles an hour. The point was simply to say it's, it's really as creative as you want to be and within the bounds of, you know, the law and proprietary, you know, appropriate behavior. But uh, we are a ministry of the Senate after all. Uh, and I would like to point that out. We're here to help you leave a gift to ministry. Uh, so if, you're, if you meet with me and you say, well, what I really want to do is avoid taxes. I say, well, I, I, I want to help you avoid taxes. And that's all I want to do. Well, okay, then let's start with, why are you here? What is it on your heart to do here? We want to help you to leave a gift to ministry. Um, a great example of this, though, and this is just a really neat thing that uh, this is what this gentleman in um, northern Indiana did. Uh, a... Give it twice, we like to call it charitable trust, but it's a pour over charitable remainder unit trust. But has anyone heard of a charitable trust before? Okay, so uh, wonderful instrument. Basically, this gentleman had $800,000 in his estate. Uh, of that, 200,000 of it uh, was in his IRA as tax deferred assets. So it means he owed taxes on them, sitting there in his IRA. 600,000 of that 800,000 was in other assets. He has decided here to leave $600,000 to his children, and $200,000 will go into a charitable trust created with the LCMS Foundation. So this is when the last surviving spouse passes away. Okay, so uh, that $200,000 goes into the charitable trust, where it's invested by the LCMS Foundation and is typically earning a 5.5% rate of return. Now, obviously, this is an illustration, but it's earning 5.5%. For 20 years, it's set up to pay 5% of that 200,000, or actually 5% of whatever is in the trust, to his heirs, his children. So how much of that 200,000 are the kids getting? 5% for 20 years. 100% of it, right? 200,000. I mean, obviously, we're speaking very generally here. They're getting around 200,000. But while it's been in there, it's been earning 5.5% and paying out 5%, so at the end, what's left? About 200,000. So by, way, by spreading it out over 20 years, what you've done is given the 200,000 to family. So the family's getting a full 800,000 here, but 200,000 now is there as a gift to ministry in 20 years. So it's a really neat, neat thing because you say, it could be 200,000, it could be a million, it could be 10 million, whatever it is, it's a way to sort of give it twice. And there are other ways to accomplish this. Obviously, another key benefit of this is that it's gonna avoid the uh, tax, uh, immediate tax impact of giving your kids $200,000. Um, instead, it's gonna spread it out over 20 years at 5% of the time, so it's gonna limit that tax burden. It's similar to what like a stretch IRA would do, if you know what that is, um, but with two key differences. Number one, there's legislation right now uh, that may limit or el eliminate the stretch IRA. And two, there's no gift to ministry, and that's really the goal. Okay, so at the end of, the, at the end of that 20 years, $200,000 still left for ministry. So it's a really neat thing. It's a way to really maximize what you're able to do. So with that in mind, I'll say, uh, what do we do now? Uh, well, I pray that the Lord will work through you and through Advent to uh, bear fruit. Um, I have that survey form for you, and I'll go back and hand out copies if anyone wants it. Just if any, um, if you'd be willing to, to, hand, to uh, fill that out, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, really just family units is what I need, not every single individual here. Uh, and you can request a personal visit from me or a contact from me, and I'll reach out to you. It may just be that you have questions you'd like to follow up on, or maybe you'd like to actually embark on the lifetime plan forgiving process. And I'd love to do that, and I would especially love to do that with members of Advent because I live up the street, so it makes it a pretty easy... When, when people from Gary say they want to do the Lifetime Plan for Giving, it makes it a little bit more of a challenge for me to get up there, but uh, this would be an easy one, uh, so to speak. And I will contact you for a convenient time and place to visit with you, talk on the phone, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, my contact information then is here. Um, 
and I have cards as well. Love to talk with you in the back. If you are interested in, in talking to me any, any uh, further, either with questions or to talk about the process, I would love to. I'll be out in the narthex. I'll be at second service. I'll be there after second service. So feel free to stop me and we can even put something on the calendar if you'd like uh, as things start to get busy. So any final questions or concerns? I will say if you have specific questions to your case, I would love to talk to you about those. Uh, for the sake of time, maybe it would be best to just sort of end it there, um, and I'll pass out the survey. I know we're getting a little closer on time, so. But thank you all very much. Appreciate it. So. Thank you, Mr. Bierman. Of course. I will pray for your wife as she puts up with you making fun of her being a lawyer. <laughs> I noticed you called her out and then you mentioned my name when the word procrastination came up on your screen. <laughs> my wife was over there nodding her head. Um, this is all part of training in righteousness. That's what scripture speaks of. And, and, and anytime we start doing some of these other non-Bible study things, I always get a few people that say, hey, we just need to, we're just gonna study the Bible. Well, this is all part of the training in righteousness as well, okay? Uh, learning how to manage the gifts God has given you. Uh, and so what you're going to be seeing from the stewardship board over the course of the next year or two, probably more specifically in the next six to eight months, is a few different opportunities like this. You know, how, how many of you have your funeral planned? Your pastors and your children would thank you for that to have some of that done. Given some thought to that. Same thing with an estate plan. I, I married... Um, I married well, first of all, but, but my wife's older brother is a, is, is a tax and estate attorney. That's all he does specifically is tax and estate. And so when we were, what, 22? It was probably the first, no, it was a little later because I procrastinated. Um, <laughs> but we put together a, a joint living trust, which is, is really good. We still at our age don't have a lot of assets per se, have, you know, most of that is in insurance. But the last thing I want is, is you know, a million dollars or however much it is going to an 18-year-old, correct? Um, and so we put together that just to, we also recognize that some of those gifts uh, can, as we desire, should be used for the church and for other things uh, uh, that, that we feel, you know, so inclined. So the, the one last thing I'll just say here in support of, of Andy's presentation is, the LCMS Foundation is, is someone you can pick up the phone, go and call, and you're not going to have to worry about them trying to get into your wallet or stealing money <laughs> right. or their own nefarious purposes, right? Because that's always, anytime you start talking about finances, you know, you got to find someone kind of you trust. And so when we have uh, an NC like that within our city, that's kind of why it was developed, uh, to really help uh, our own people in our churches provide a resource uh, and, 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 and as most people desire, to give back uh, to the church and for the good of society as well. So that's enough of my plug, I, I think, for Appreciate you. Um, but um, I've really uh, enjoyed getting to know Andy. And welcome to Zionsville, by the way. I don't know if we Thank mentioned you. that. Yeah. Um, they, uh, he likes to check out library books. So they bought a house <laughs> right across from the library, yeah. somewhere around there. We won't give out your home address. It's uh, on my card. Yeah, so, uh, so welcome to Zionsville. Uh, for those of us that are residents here as well. Any questions for Andy? I've got a few other things we'll tackle before we close up shop for today. Um, any questions just in general about whatever? Yes, sir. Uh, one of us have LCMS accounts. Mm -hmm. Good question. Yeah, we're, so we're self, separate organizations, and uh, we don't do any kind of individual personal investments. So if you have an LCEF account, that would be unique to them. But I work uh, closely with TJ Maddock, who is the LCEF representative in, in this area, and he's, uh, what we think of it as is sort of short-term funding for churches versus long-term funding for churches. So we work together a lot where he'll help a church set up a capital campaign, give them a loan to build a new building, and then I'm there to talk about endowments and how are we going to sustain the legacy of this building until Christ returns. Uh, and then the gift planning part, that's really unique to us. So, but yeah, we're across the street from each other, across the highway in St. Louis. So um, friends, not competitors, as it were. Good question. Other questions? 
Anything in general? Like I say, if you have anything specific to me, I'll be in, in the back, so feel free to accost me. One of the things that the LCMS Foundation uh, does as well um, is help congregations also set up endowment funds. Um, so this, this was the first parish that I've actually been a member of, much less a pastor, that hasn't had some sort of an established endowment fund, okay? Um, and so uh, obviously we, we've, had, we've been blessed with some very uh, generous people over the years and continue to, be, to do so. Uh, but as the church kind of moves forward, um, it's not saving for the sake of saving. It's saving you know, for a purpose and also then investing and using some of those benefits. So I'll just share with you real quick the, the, the endowment fund that we had back in Hastings. Uh, we were uh, basically required to use a certain portion of that each year in terms of missions. So it couldn't just sit in the bank, okay? So it was money that had to go back. So they, they divided it up between different types of categories, and you had to use a certain amount of the funds each year, whether it was scholarships, well, it was local missions, soup kitchens, I mean, things like that. So when you have kind of something like that with an endowment fund that's set up, people know how the money is going to be used. And so there's some people that feel a lot more comfortable uh, earmarking and giving a certain amount of money, knowing that there's a process to go through, right? Kind of like just giving your 18-year-old kid a million dollars. You obviously don't want to do that. You want to put a plan in place so it can be divided up. Same thing with the church. And so those things become very helpful uh, for churches down the road. I mean, our job as pastors is to prepare you for the Lord's return, to give you his gifts now, but at the same time, that could be 20, 30 years from now, too. We don't know. And so we want to manage all those resources uh, and use those things in a good way. Okay? Questions or comments on that? Stewardship Board will be doing some more work. You might be hearing a little bit more about that down the road. Um, what else? You came back up here. Do you have something else? No, I was going to say, if you need a pen, I've got foundation pens, and you're welcome to them. But to your point about endowments, too, there's a, there's a kind of a, a, an old-fashioned sense of endowments. It's principle, you, you can only take the income, and it's meant to be you know, kept on for fixing the roof in 50 years. It certainly can be. Uh, but more and more, there's a move toward actually thinking of endowments as something that, as you say, it, it puts money into ministry right away. It's, uh, you're put on a spending plan where 4% of whatever's in that endowment is going to come out every year to ensure that it's doing the work of the gospel and that people can see it, and that's what makes people want to give to it. Uh, and further, there's a move toward even endowing aspects of your general operating budget. That's a kind of a new, a new move. There's a church in Chicago that has recently completed. They have now endowed their pulpit. So everything to do with the pastor and his expenses is out of the endowment. That means that the every week when people are putting that income check in the, in the offering plate, it's going to, to the soup kitchen or it's going to the homeless shelter. Or it's going to whatever you know, mission work that's going on. And especially as younger generations seem to be more interested in giving to causes rather than institutions, to have that ability to say, look, the institution is covered by this endowment. Now we can give to whatever the urgent or exigent thing is right now uh, that, that needs our, our attention. So that's Excellent. my Those plug good. for endowments there. <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, Pastor Poppy is senior pastor there. They, they, um, I was vicar, what was I, Gene? I was vicar number three. And they've had 21 or 22 vicars since then, right? Um, and uh, about 10 years ago, they faced a little bit of a regular budget crisis. Of course, 10 years ago, we all know what with 2008 and all that happened. And so they were going to have to stop, you know, getting a vicar. They just, they couldn't fit it into the budget. And they had a member that came up and said, this has been a blessing for our congregation and a blessing for uh, our synod and our seminary. We want to endow the vicarage program. So they basically came up with a whole uh, endowment fund so that they could continue to have a vicar each year and it wouldn't come out of the church budget. And that was a real blessing, uh, not only because Pastor Poppy's a wonderful instructor, but it's a wonderful parish to learn and to grow in. Um, and so that's how they've kept doing something like that down the road. So there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat or however you want to say that. Uh, but uh, it's nice to know we've, we've got some people to chat with. Okay, uh, we're almost out of time here. My watch says 10.29. That clock back there says 26. What time is it actually? Okay, so real quick, here's a couple of brief announcements. This next Sunday, um, we will be participating in the life chain. If you've never done this before, it's really simple. You go stand on the street and you pray for an hour. 
You, you pray that our country will recognize that abortion is sinful and wrong, that's murder. You will pray for the many women who have been affected by that um, and for God's uh, forgiveness, which he greatly and freely gives. Um, so come stand with us. We'd like, uh, um, we need to kind of figure out how much street we're going to take up for those that are organizing it. So if you're able to come stand and pray for an hour, uh, silent, uh, silent prayer and, a, and, a, and just a, a statement to God's gift of human life, there's a sign-up sheet in the narthex. Please put your John Hancock uh, or a Jill Hancock on that, and, uh, and then we'll know how many people we've got uh, going with that, okay? Uh, call us if you have any questions on that, okay? Uh, looking for more greeters, uh, so there's a sign-up form, uh, both uh, online, check your email for some of that information, and let's see, what else? Seemed like there was something else I was going to mention. Don't forget about our Wednesday services. Uh, we're praying the catechism each week. Uh, we're also having a Bible study. Mr. Chuck Long is uh, doing a wonderful job with that, World Religions, which meets here in the Fellowship Hall, 730 to 830. And uh, we are gathering as many high schoolers as we can. Uh, we know they've got really crazy, busy schedules. So this is probably going to uh, depend on what season the year is <laughs> we're in for sports and all that stuff, but we're just slowly trying to get some of our high school youth uh, together on a more regular basis as well. Uh, and we've got some uh, wonderful parents that have stepped up to help with that. So uh, thank you. Okay, anything else I'm missing before we dismiss? New members. Now we've got some new members here now. Okay, raise your hand if you're uh, some of the new members coming in. Okay, we're in, okay, two in the back, two here, we got Geraldine over there, okay. Um, over here to our right, you want to stand up, have they met you yet? You want to introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, I've got a counterpart to you, Ken. Okay. But I'm, I'm Jansen Engelman, I'm the co-chair of the Board of Fellowship here at Advent, so we um, arrange a lot of the events, like a church picnic, and uh, help out with like the Valentine's Dinner, and we love meeting new members to find ways to get you plugged in the different areas of the church where you can add value or you can just kind of share your experiences or, or things from your background. So um, I, I don't want to be a, a strange face or anything like that, but come and say hi. I'll, we'll, we'll meet after this and um, we'll find ways to get you more involved if you want to do that. Okay. So new members, we'll have you gather up here with uh, Jansen just briefly for a few minutes. And uh, good to have you uh, here at church with us. What else just you got? a quick practical note. I think we've run out of surveys, which is an awesome blessing wow. to have there. So, but if you have one and you don't want to use it, that's okay. If you just wouldn't mind returning it. If you, by the way, if you'd like to talk to me and you don't have a survey, I can just fill out this uh, on paper uh, at the back. So sorry about that. But, uh, or we can run some off the copy or something. So <laughs> thanks very you much. You normally not have many people come to these things. Well, you know. It's, this is a pretty good pair. This is by a, the way. This is, you know that? This is a good mix. Okay. I right. saw the quality of the donuts. <laughs> they got, you got good donuts. All right. Any other questions, comments, or announcements from everybody on the floor? Let's stand and close with Lord's Prayer. Thank you all for coming today. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.